we're a protectionist species. I think probably most species are. We, we, we are designed to survive. Our bodies do what it takes and our minds to to survive. I think when we're in a stressful situation, emotional stress or whatever, we're not trying to be more stressed. We want to dissipate that as fast as possible. We do that sometimes via healthy activities. We do that sometimes via not healthy activities. We do that if I'm really stressed at work, I come home and get high. That's an unhealthy way of dissipating stress. But the way I look at it is that that person that does that is is essentially the same person as the person that eats the salad or goes for a run. They're both trying to dissipate stress. Those are both solutions to stress. I, I look at people go, my problem is Ben and Jerry's. And I always say, that's not your problem. That's your solution. That Right now, that's your solution. The question is, can you have a better solution that treats you even better than the Ben and Jerry's? Okay, yeah, well, maybe that's going for a walk or eating a big salad. But they're both solutions. We don't want to be more stressed. Our bodies don't want to be more. Our bodies are not trying to kill us. Our bodies are trying to detoxify all the time. Our bodies are trying to achieve balance and fight infection all the time, no matter what. It's just, are we helping them do that better or not? That was Sid Garza-Hillman, and this is the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. Welcome back to the show. My name is Jess. I'm your host. And this is the show where every week we bring to you the stories of people looking, finding, and living their purpose. And it's with intention. The intention is that maybe a spark will be created or fanned or completely transformed into a fire of belief that we are all here for a unique purpose and that we are all worthy of discovering just what that is. That even if we have no idea what we love, we can start today, right now, by being purposeful in the moment we are in. And once we start paying attention to the current moment in time, we gain insight into how we are moving through the world. And with that, we get to see our actions in real time. And we get to see how they measure up with how we think we are moving through the world. And if they don't align we get a chance to make a change, to start the transition into becoming more of ourselves, which is exactly what the world needs. Part of this human condition that we live with is that we think that only big change will make a difference. And those can be so scary that many of us just avoid them completely. But in fact, it's small changes that over time can make huge impacts in our lives. As my meditation teacher always says, Jessica, just a little bit every day over a long period of time. And that might seem daunting, but if you break it down and just say, all I have to do right now is a little bit. And if you can do that every day, then over a long period of time, you will make massive change in your life. And when you do that, you make massive change in the world. And today's guest is no doubt on board with this philosophy as he is a small step advocate. Sid is a philosopher. He is a parent, a speaker, a husband, a certified nutritionist, health coach, author, and most recently, an ultra marathon race director. In 2013, his book, Approaching the Natural, a Health Manifesto, found itself in the back pockets of many small steppers and people looking for sustainable change in their life. 
Sid gets it, man. He gets it. He understands that it's not just one thing. It's a lifestyle that equals true health. And with only one chapter on nutrition, Approaching the Natural is a guide to full-spectrum wellness, complete with a notes section in the back. And if you're anything like the health geek that I am, you will have this book marked up, ticked off, and never far from your pen. Sid graduated from UCLA and went on to live in LA for decades as a musician and an actor. After getting to a point where he and his wife just couldn't take it anymore, they made one big change and headed to Northern California where they now reside in the beautiful coastal town of Mendocino. Okay, so the small steps. They are, they're potent, but it's not to say that life is not without the big ones too. It just depends on what life is calling us to do in any given moment. And what really matters is if we are awake and ready to step up to our life's calling. It's about keeping all channels open, and sometimes that does mean taking risks. But it's so clear that this big move to Mendocino was always a part of Sid's divine blueprint, as this was the place where Sid received the calling to create, direct, and bring to life the Mendocino Coast 50K, an ultramarathon that takes its runners along the coast, past a waterfall, through the redwoods, and along the river to the finish line. It's also the ultra marathon that I will forever be able to claim as my first. We recorded this episode the day after the race, so we all may be a little punchy, but who knows? It could have something to do with the espressos that Sid whipped up before firing up the mics. But this episode, it's awesome. It's about ultra running. It's about stress. It's about small steps, and it's about health. Sid is a wealth of information, although he is adamant that we don't always have to know everything in order to be healthy. We don't need to know about grams of nutrients or cellular makeup or the science behind everything. All we really need to know is the trueness of who we are. This is an awesome chat, and we can't wait to get up to Mendo again to race next year. And when I say we, I mean BJ has committed to racing his first ultra next year. And I'm purposefully using the word racing because we all know he's going to torch the course. So thanks so much for tuning in, you guys. If you want to support the show further, please check out our Patreon page, which for as little as a few bucks a month, you can make a major impact. Yes, I'm talking about a small step here. You can make a major impact in the life of the show. If you can't afford to donate financially, Leave a review on iTunes, share the show with your friends and family, and use the Amazon banner ad, which doesn't cost you a thing. All of these links are in the show notes of this episode. But first, let's just take one thing at a time, all right? Let's now dive into our conversation with the big wig of small steps, Sid Garza Hillman. Right. So, you are the race director of the Mendocino 50K Ultra Marathon. Mendocino Coast 50K. That's Amazing. Right. Yeah. Really, I ran the course yesterday. As we just said, it was my first ultra. And it was just, it was such an enriching experience. It landed on Earth Day. Yep. Yeah, it's on purpose. Yeah. It all just made so much sense to me to come up here and do it. It's, you know, when I found out that 
it was kind of all around the Stanford Inn, which mm-hmm. is this amazing vegan inn that we're in right now. Yeah. And then in the North Coast, which I hadn't discovered yet. Yeah. And that it meant for me to move past all this fear about running in the woods by myself and right. being eaten by an animal and all right. of this stuff. It all just made sense that I was going to be up here. Yeah, cool. So I want to thank you for putting on such an amazing, really amazing race. And now that I've run the course, mm-hmm. I feel like that course was just waiting for you to put this race on. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I kind of feel like that too. I my The short story of how the course evolved, because I didn't come up, well, I'll, so I'll tell you that story quick. But when I was training for my own first ultras was when, for the first time, I realized the the breadth of uh, of trails that are in this area. And I, I hadn't known it. I knew a few trails, but really didn't know much about it. And I was training for an ultra, and I didn't know how to get the distance. So I was one day running on Highway 1 in, in a thunderstorm and trying to get a 20-miler in. And I you know I, I bust off into little short little trails, but really nothing. And this girl drives by me and pulls over and gets out. And I recognized her because we had met before, but her name is Sid. And she says, you know, do you, do you ever run with people? And I was like, well, yeah, but I'm doing pretty big distances. And she's like, well, I just did 100. And I was like, well, okay, we're good. And uh, anyway, so she, she became my training partner. And we've been running together for a few years now. And through her, because she's really into horses, she knows all the trails around here. So every weekend, we she'd take me to a new place. That was one of my first entry into like, whoa, this place is crazy awesome for trails. And there's nobody around. I mean, the entire county has like 89,000 people. And it's like so sparsely populated. So she's taking me on these amazing things. I'm training for my first, first ultra, and that's at that point where I go, this place is begging for an ultra. So I come back, and you know, I got always love Joan and Jeff because I have these like cockamamie ideas, and they're like, we'll help you. <laughs> and so I was like, I think I want to put on a, a, an ultra marathon. And so you know, they, Jeff came on as Jeff and Joan came on as a sponsor. And same thing with my podcast. He's like, here, I'll buy you a microphone and a, and a laptop. Like literally, he, like yeah, I was like, so like, here, do it. I'm like, good, because I can't otherwise. And so, um, and so, um, yeah. And so, so he comes on the sponsor. So I call this guy Rick Hemmings, who's down at Catcher Canoe. He manages Catcher Canoe. Who oh, I know, he knows. Yeah. yeah, yep, he knows all the trail. I said, Rick, I'm looking. Here's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a 50k loop I want to start I knew a few things I knew that I wanted to start at Big River and end at Big River I knew I wanted it to be a loop not an out and back and not a point to point I knew, I know I wanted no shuttles I wanted it easy you park at the start and that's the same thing as the finish I wanted to see the river I wanted to see ocean I wanted to see the waterfall in Russian Gulch and I wanted to see Redwoods that's that's all I had in the beginning that's the tagline river ocean yep. Redwoods waterfall mm-hmm. I said that's what I, those are my points and he goes okay and then Rick just gets on it and he go he works with this guy Rue Harris who's a um, guy 70 years old biker bikes all these trails the two of them just come up with like a draft map like within it was it seems like it was in a week but it may have been two weeks it was so fast rue's got it mapped out on google maps and i'm looking at it i'm going this is paradise i mean it was just so awesome and it worked yeah you know and that was it we tweaked it a little bit this year but it's essentially what it was last year and i don't know if i'll ever change it i mean maybe little tweaks here and there but it's such a gorgeous run that why would i ever change it i mean it's just begging for it and i heard one of the tweaks that you made skip was telling us that you took out some road and more single track yeah it was dirt road it was a haul road so it's not like you know asphalt yeah. road it's mm-hmm. 90 as you know like you're barely on the actual road ever yeah but um yeah there was a period where you were running up this kind of it's beautiful in the forest but you know how it gets monotonous you know and so again rick and rue this year said what do you th- can we bust you off this little single track that sort of runs parallel to it and i'm like i don't know because last year worked so great and so sid and i went out 
and ran it. And I called him, literally finished the race. I called him uh, that run that day and it said, this is amazing. Like it was such a huge improvement. What section is that? What are those if miles? You, it's, it's, it's leading up to A Station 3. So okay. yeah, two you go, you leave two, and you go through the trails, and then yeah. there's a period where you kind of hit a little road for a second, and you and you get back off on a yes. single track. That's all brand new this year. Oh, that and was I ran, an amazing it was incra- section. It was incredible. We had to give up a little bit in Russian Gulch, in terms of there's a little when you run through the campgrounds at Russian Gulch, it's mm-hmm. asphalt and it runs into an asphalt trail, which is nice. But there was more single track there. But it's it, it, it the trade off was there's just no brainer. Like I'll keep it this way as long as I can. It was really cool. Worked it's, out really well. Like it was just waiting for you. Yeah. I, you went to them and said, I want ocean, a waterfall, redwoods, yeah. the river. Yeah. And it was all right there. Yeah, they it knew. Because I had run Russian Gulch at that time, so I knew where the waterfall was. Obviously, I run the headlands. That's a single track all around the, the town. I knew I love that. And I, I run Big River all the time. So I had my sort of main points mm-hmm. that I wanted to cover. And, um, and then that was that. It was just magnificent. And after the rain from the night before, yeah. it was like bright oh, green. It was, great. It yeah, was, it was so yeah. vibrant yeah, 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 in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was my first experience. I had never, I mean, I trained for the race, but I've never been that deep in the woods. Like, we were deep Oh, in yeah, the you woods. go, yeah, you're 31 miles, you know. <laughs> unless, you're, unless you're doing two short loops, you know, like this is one big loop, so you're going out. It you was know? magnificent yeah, yeah. and so much varying terrain. Like I was saying yeah. to BJ, there was like rocky spots and there mm-hmm. was vines and yep. mud yeah, and there yeah. was parts where there was just branches down yep. you're kind of running you got branches stuck yep. between your legs yeah, and you yeah, just yeah. run that off yeah. and climbing over logs and climbing over logs walking through rivers and yep right? exactly yeah. yeah right after uh such a such a rookie move i was at like the drop bag station i'm like i'm gonna put my new socks on oh, i'm right gonna do all this stuff <laughs> yeah. to get my nice dry feet and yeah. then literally uh maybe a mile or two this guy's There's like oh river. take a right at the Speed limit side, and you're gonna cross the creek. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh. Did you take your shoes off? No. Oh, I just yeah. went right there. I did too. Gene, yeah. Gene took it. Gene took his shoes, shoes off. off. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, it's funny, like the evolution of me as a runner, and I'm not uh, nearly. I mean, I'm not a professional runner, not by any stretch. I'm like a middle to back of the pack type runner, but. But I've been doing it long enough where what I need to, like when I ran my first couple races, I had the, all the equipment, like the pack and everything. And now I like don't use any of that stuff because the more you do it, you just realize like I just don't carry anything, yeah. nothing. And like when we saw Gene, he showed up. I'm like, he's got a t-shirt and he's holding a water bottle. Yeah, yeah. Not even the, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the hand. I know. A couple, one just, guy ran through with two plastic water bottles. <laughs> like the crappy crystal geyser. Like he just would refill them at the station. It's just, it's just so uncomfortable. You know, like I don't want to hold stuff like that. You know, Right. But, but that's the whole thing with ultra running. Like it's just like it's ragtag. Whatever it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I, I love this sport above mm-hmm. all else. Like I will never run another marathon uh, or half, probably. I mean, maybe a half marathon if it was like a you know fundraiser. But yeah. as far as like what I love, it ultras because it's ragtag. The equipment people get dirty. They don't care. You know, like a couple of people you could tell that were new. They were like, um, it wasn't exactly you know fifty k. And it's like, you know, and because that's the sort of mentality yes, is if you're on road, yeah. you can nail the distance perfectly, but there's literally not an ultra marathon in the world probably that is exactly the distance. It's, it says you just, you can't map it that perfect. Mm-hmm. And so um, our race was like 32 miles and it's supposed to be 31.1, but then everybody's watches are different too, you know? And, the watch and, must be lying. Yeah, who knows? And everyone's, but that's like that mentality. <laughs> yes. As you as you get away from that, you just go like whatever distance it is, it's you're more in the moment in yeah. ultra. That's what I find. Like mm-hmm. you're just on the trails, you experience, the, all, even professionals will talk about the view. You know, it's like that they're, they're less about the time, they want to win, but it's like that was a great experience. 
and I love that about that. It sport. was such an adventure. It was that's such it's, an it's adventure. It's animal, right? You're out there in your July. It's like connection to the it's earth. It's just incredible, unbelievable yeah. connection to the earth. And when we were running through the redwoods, I was like just reaching out yeah. and touching these yeah, yeah. trees yeah, as I yeah, went yeah, by. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And then some of the trees that are downed have been there for so long that the rain has really smoothed them out, uh-huh. so I could just run my yeah, hand. Yeah, 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 I felt yeah. like I was like petting a dog. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It was just yeah. so amazing, yeah, and amazing. the power that you can pull. There's so much vibrancy in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Like, I was just surrounded with life. Yeah. And, you know, we're more familiar with like doing Ironmans and things yeah. like that where, you know, the crowds are deep and yeah. you're pulling in 10,000. heavy duty and yeah. Lots of show, yeah. lots of hype, lots yeah, of equipment, yeah, 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 all yeah. of that. Still an amazing energy and sure. supportive. But yesterday I was like running through I felt like I was in a fairy tale, like yeah, Fern Grotto. Exactly. No, I feel like that too. On that course too. And I was like, oh my God, these are all my spectators. Mm. Like I felt like all eyes were on me. Yeah. And I was like, I'm just looking for safe passage and I'm just passing through and yeah. this is your home and I understand that. Yeah, yeah. And I thank you for the support. Right. Like, and, and that's one of the reasons why, I mean, there are some old, I did North Face 50K last December and there's a that same weekend they have a 50 mile, a marathon, a half marathon, a, you know, the whole big, uh, big thing on the 50K of course. And it's a lot of people, you know, and that is, and it was a good race. I, I probably will never do it again. It's not, to, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. they, they got it dialed in. It's just not my vibe because, thanks, it's um, it's just, that is, like all the tents and the vendors and the thing. And I made a decision last year in the first year that I, I knew what type of race I wanted and it's this type of race. And, I, and people are, you know, because it's popular, you know, it's it's like out of the shoot, just I yeah. sold out in the first year. This year, I sold out in seven days. Like it was just crazy, and they're like, "You're going to grow it," and I go, "No, I'm literally not going to grow it." But I'm that's like, the ultra I'm gonna, running. Like, I'm going to keep it at 150. Yeah. I mean, there's yep. big ultra marathons. I did the American River 50. There's a thousand people probably, um, and and this is I want this race to be 150 people. You saw how it was at the end. It's intimate. It's it's fan, it's small. People can talk, and it's a couple tents. No vendors, you know, and and we bring food over and, and beer, and it's just like this kind of cool little yeah. thing, and I just never want to change that, and it's just that's how it always I love that's the best part and unbelievably powerful. Like when we were, I was coming down that last ten miles, which by the way feels like a freaking marathon. That was surprising. So you know. <laughs> that's surprisingly the hardest part of the race. Yeah, I did not see that coming. I thought people were gonna kill me for the climb of and everybody, including me, when I do the the route the day before. That's the worst part because <laughs> you've been through all the hardest, but you're like distracted by the hill and then the downhill. And then you've got this ten mile stretch and you're just like and mentally then it's got brutal. all those little dips, but yeah, it's like where yeah. the water's feeding into the yeah, river, and yeah, you're yeah. like, I cannot go if it's one foot. I cannot yeah, yeah, go yeah, downhill yeah, 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 anymore. Yeah, yeah. But the train doesn't change either too much, and you're kind of like, now I just want to get back. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Like, I was I just, just like I was back. running those tangents. Like yeah, I yeah. was just hugging yeah, was the like, corners. I ran out to I ran out to see her. Oh, you did. So I ran How far did you go? About six miles. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you, you, he did yeah, a nice yeah. half But if you don't have yesterday. to do, if you don't have to do all that stuff, like, yeah. that trail is pretty nice. Oh, it's great. I, that's why I run most of the time. It's I, I run along Big River yeah. most attention. I run along Big River, you know. But at the end of twenty miles, but at the end, it's just like oh yeah, my gosh. and you can see the around the corner like how much more corners yeah, yeah. to come around. Yeah, like, is it there? Is it there? And you yeah. kept cutting me off because you were definitely I was, hitting the tangents. Yeah, I was running those tangents. I wasn't yeah. gonna go because yeah. um, my watch had died. Yeah, mine died about at, twenty-seven have, miles. On yeah, Friday. so I don't even. I had no idea what time it was. I had no That's idea, true. and it's not like there's mile markers out there. And, 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 and I and, and somebody <laughs> suggested it last year, and I. 
I'm very torn on it. Like, I don't think I want to. No, I, want my pe- I, I just no. don't want my wonders. No. I don't want people in the moment. Don't. And I just like, I'm not yes. going to do it. I, people said, what we did this year is we said at the aid station, each aid station said this many mm-hmm. miles to the next one. And then aid station five, it says, you know, 4.69 to the finish. And, and I think that's fine. Yeah, you know, like I just I want people. To, it yeah, okay, because good. Because it, I mean, I'm pretty good at disconnecting anyway. Like uh-huh. that didn't throw me off. Uh-huh, it was good. like, oh, I don't have my mind. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not gonna give my PR. Yeah, 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 whatever. That none of that stuff is really in my awareness, but it did. Like even for me, I was like, I have no idea where I am. Yeah. I have no idea where I am in in regards to the cutoff. Yep. Um, I didn't, I didn't know. And then I saw you. You came up, but you know, when I came. Down that stretch, I guess what I'm getting at was I came down that stretch and I was running for my life. Like those, I pushed that from that last aid station to the finish. Uh-huh. I ran as hard as oh, I you could did. Wow. because I wanted to get in under the eight and a half. Right. And I think I did like eight twenty one. Awesome. And when you said you go, can you hear them? Like I could hear your voice, uh-huh. and it was like it, there was no different. Like it's yes, it's a low key, and there's no vendors, yeah. and there's a small, yeah, yeah. but the power oh, yeah. of that no finish yeah, yeah, yeah. was like. Yeah. And I remember, remember, I was yelling. I'm like, I'm coming, and it was like the emotion. Oh, was yeah. there. People and cry. A lot of people cry when they cross the finish line. No, it's 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 raw. It and was bare. there was no difference in yeah. you know that being a quote unquote low key event than Versus me a finishing a fifteen thousand. It's almost spectator. more powerful because it's more focused. Oh, yeah, I think I think I think so. Like it, oh it really God. brings you right. There's no distractions, yeah. man. This, it's all about that. You get one glimpse, mm-hmm. one glimpse of the tents. Mm-hmm on that road and I could see the tent yeah, and yeah. I was and like, like holy oh, crap because yeah, yeah, yeah. I again had no idea yep. how far I had to go yeah, yeah, I yeah, knew yeah. I was getting closer but and then finishing and the people along the way and you start to see because there's nobody out there although I love the course because every once in a while you'll see just like a random guy in a chair uh-huh. in the middle of the woods reading yeah, yeah. a book and oh, he's yeah. like go left <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even met like a lot of the volunteers that go up that in the forest. Like this, last year, there was a guy playing banjo. They're like, "You do that?" And I was like, "No, I don't know who it is." Yeah. He, he may not even know there was a race going on. Right. He just made it, just doing a banjo in the in the woods. I it's, don't know what goes on out there. I loved it, and that's when I knew, like, okay, I have to be close to an aid station. But like, at one point, I'm coming down all these switchbacks, and it's just this girl in a lawn chair in the middle of this like valley, and she's like keep going uh, like, hi how you doing and then afterwards like, you're like i wonder if she was actually was there, really there? <laughs> <laughs> i wonder if she was really there you did come up to me and said you had blurry vision she did have, I did have she did have vision. wings yeah. which we thought was very odd but yeah. yeah i did i think i saw some unicorns yeah, out yeah. There. <laughs> so when did this like i know you were describing like the uh like oh my god this place we need an ultra here but yeah. but what was it that m- the moment when you were like, I gotta, I gotta be the one, I'm gonna be the one to bring it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that is in me. It's just like, uh, you know, over the years, just trying, just being somebody who's open to trying new stuff. I mean, it's, I can't, I can't explain it other than that. I don't know why I would want to direct a race. Um, other than I just saw, I, I, if I don't do it, nobody is gonna do it kind of thing. And, and I, it just needs to happen. I just felt like it needed to happen. I can't believe that it wasn't here before. Yeah, and, and I think it's the, you know, somebody said that years ago, like in the 80s, there was a, a like a 50-mile horse race that you could, mm. you, you know, people would run and with their horses and stuff. Mm. Um, and I, that's, as far as I know, is like the closest thing to an ultra that's ever been in this county. Um, and it's like, it's just so beautiful, you know, it's so beautiful, you know, and... Uh, 
you know, it's like it, it's right now, and I don't think this place is going to get any more populated anytime soon. I think there's actually negative population growth in this county, and so for me, it's like, God, I mean, it's so e- isn't it an easy race? No matter where you stay along the coast, it's ten minutes from the race start. There's no parking issues. Mm-hmm. I finished North Face. I waited for forty five minutes for a shuttle, then sat in a bus for an hour and a half because there was traffic to get back to my car after running a fifty k. My legs were cramping, and again, it was a great race. Like it's competitive. It's awesome. And they should keep doing exactly what they're doing. It's just not my bag, you know. And and I love the fact that there's logistics. I moved from Los Angeles up here, so I'm still sensitive to like I don't like when things are a hassle. Mm-hmm. You know, LA people don't. I don't. I didn't go out a lot in LA because it was just a hassle. It was always a hassle. And so I wanted to race. It was just so easy that anybody can just show up. And it's just like everyone's like, "Is there the riding? Is there a shuttle? How do we do parking? Like, just drive to the thing, park. park. You're going to be 50 feet, no matter 100 feet from the race start, no matter where you park. It, there's it's just done. And I love that. Because it just lowers overall stress and makes mm-hmm. makes it more fun. Exactly. Yeah. We left our hotel room. We we stayed here at the Stanford yeah. Beach. Which, by the way, if you're coming up for the Mendocino Coast, like you got to stay here. Yeah, there's nowhere else to stay. There's, there's nowhere, literally nowhere actually, else to stay. There's actually no other hotels over here. <laughs> you heard it here first. This is the only place to stay. We left our room at set. Like I'm like, oh, it's seven ten. I should probably get over there. You oh yeah. Know, we left yeah. at seven fifteen, and it was all bundled up, and we just yeah. drove down the street. Yeah, it was we, literally. We one, it's walked. probably two. Oh yeah, it's probably a two minute drive. Yeah, two minutes. I mean, drive. actually, a two minute drive. Got out of the car, stripped down my layers, yeah. and walked over to the start. And yeah. then you, we, we were doing the countdown, yeah, yeah, which yeah. I love the countdown. Yeah, like, we had a little like... technical problem. We, by the time we hooked that thing up, it was like, and we're starting in six minutes. <laughs> I was like, well, okay, everybody, here we go. Quick announcements and let's roll. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a great day. And then you ran it the day before. I did. And how did how was that getting taste of your own medicine? Good. So I did that last year too. And I think that's as long as I can, that'll be my tradition of, of doing it. It feels last year I did it for no other reason than it's my first year. I need to know exactly what that trail's looking mm-hmm. like marking wise. I was very worried about people getting lost. Um, and so, and, and I just want to know the terrain. There was an added bonus that I didn't foresee last year, which is, and it happened this year too, which is um, Friday uh, after I finished the course last year, I went to Catch a Canoe to see how pre registrations were going. And I saw a couple people there, and it's a very good race for first-time ultra runners. Would you yes. say it's like very, you know, very easy? Yes. It's a hard course, but it's you know, the, the, like I said, the logistics are pretty easy. But I'm standing there, and they're like, "Oh, you're the race director, and, and how's the course out there?" I said, "Well, I just did it today, and, and it looks really good." And they said, "Oh, you just did it today?" And I go, "Yeah." And they're like, "You look fine." I'm like, "It's fine. You're going to be fine." And there was just that kind of like, again, like low, like, "Oh, he looks. He's not worn out. Yeah. You know, he, it's okay. like you can do it." And it's sort of like it was a little confidence boost to people. So I like that too, and that happened again this year. They said, "Oh, you just ran it today," and I showed up at the reception on Friday night, and it was fine. I'm hanging out, and they they know like I might be able to do this. They've never right. done it before, and they've trained really hard, but there's still that unknown. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that made me feel really good. So I think I want to keep doing that every year to do that, but on a very practical level, just to make sure it's marked really well. You know, like I just don't want people getting lost. And um, it was really knock it was on wood, really well. two time two years in a row. There one two guys got lost this year. This year he goes, I was just not paying attention. They got off course a mile, got back on, and they're fine. Gene Bauer Gene said, he said he got a little. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I mean, of one hundred fifty, of one hundred fifty, yeah, that's Gene Bauer. I mean, what's, what's that guy now? Gene, many Christmas. No, Gene's a good buddy. Right now. Sh- he shows up in a dress shirt. Yeah, I was like, Gene, like, you're gonna go in a business meeting. You're gonna run an ultra. <laughs> Which one is it? Um, but um, but yeah, I mean, 150 runners, you know, and and the lead guy comes in. He goes, "That was perfectly marked." If the lead guy says it's marked well, it is because he's not following anybody. 
So this guy was in, right. in, in, in lead most of the race. So if he's finding his way, the markings are true. Most other people then follow people as they yeah. go. You know? so I he's was a, by myself pretty much most you? of the day. Yeah, okay. Like I would find groups and I right. would move through them. Yep. And, um, but it was, it was marked. Like any time it veered off, it was like you would like these little stakes. That's right. I bought flags like, and ribbons. Yeah. yeah. Flags and, and, and I hired ribbons. that guy, Rue, who worked on the map with Rick. Um, he's a biker and he, and I don't know how many people he went with, but I, I, I paid them to mark the course yeah, um, earlier, like three, four days ago. Then Skip Brand and I went out again on Friday to just again like do it again, and then we bring tape and like double mark. Yeah. So I just like I just don't want to take. A and chance. then Skip went Skip back went out, out yesterday and ran, it, and and ran, ran the race. Again. He did that last year too, back to back. It's crazy. That's crazy. Insane. Yeah. They had a big crew here. That's oh, Heels Running Company. Yeah, Running they were sponsored. He's great. I Skip Brand is like incredible. But yeah, they they've got this amazing community down there. John Medinger uh, and Lisa Hansen from um, Lake Sonoma Fifty. Like they've been integral in. I mean, this is a race that is a week um, before mine. Yeah, they're technically competitors, I guess, except for they're like an institution that around forever, and they get famous people running their race. But like, hundred percent generous. Like, I've never. I can't even believe the generosity. They were just offering me advice all the time. Uh, here's what you do. You do this. You do this. You do this. Do, I mean, I, what do I go? What do I do for my aid stations? Here's what you do. I mean, they literally helped me shape mm-hmm. that race last year. Just, I never done it. I'm not a. I've never done races. It's not my <laughs> thing. You know, so I had to start from scratch. I knew the, if you want to say vibe, but I knew the feel that I wanted. That that was the thing that was. I knew the places I wanted to hit, and I knew the feel of the race. Those two things were dialed in, and I knew that I wanted it to be 100 percent plant based. Th- those three things were just 100 percent dialed in because they're they're me. And I wanted to be representative of, of a race that I would like to do. That was kind of sort of my mark. But how to fill in the blanks there, those guys were awesome. And that's part of that whole Healdsburg community down there. They're but just so giving they're so giving and awesome. that's why they're so successful. They're so successful because they're generous with Yeah, they're not like, we're not going to help him. He's, he's got a race. They're like, yeah, great. I mean, it's like if their race wasn't bef- a week before mine, I would be down there volunteering. But two years in a row, I'm like, I literally can't get This year yeah. was my twin's birthday party. But, but, but the year before, I was like, I'm about to blow my head off. I can't go volunteer for your race. <laughs> I got to like it. Yeah. You've got 150 people that I'm oh, it's sure a lot of pressure. you're, yeah, you're it's a lot of holding on to their safety probably yeah, yeah. more than they are. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's sleep, it's sleep it's sleeplessness for, uh, you know, last year especially. This year was like 70% less stress overall. But it's still just, you got uh, 18 states came out to do this race. That's awesome. So people are traveling long distances. Yeah. And it's like, I don't, I, it's a lot of, and maybe it's self-inflicted, but I feel a lot of pressure and a lot of accountability and responsibility for this thing to go off as best it possibly can. So I'm constantly in my brain running through the the race in my, you know, hypotheticals in my race. And I'm remembering everything. And two years in a row, I walk out my door and I'm like, bottle opener like for some reason two years in a row the one thing i forgot to do was the bottle opener at the base and so i i'm like that that's the level of detail this race comes down to in my head because i'm seeing everybody show up and they're cooking and the beer bottle opener (laughs) so the last thing two years in a row that i get in my kitchen at 4 30 in the morning is a bottle opener put in my pocket and go set the race up i'm like you know because it's so it's a it's mental that's why i'm I'm more tired today than i was after running the 50k on friday but the medal that you get when you finish is a bottle opener also yeah and and that didn't occur to me Just FYI, Wait, two, years in, two year, years in a row, I was like, year. oh, yeah, I have 170 bottle openers. But, but, little, gotta, but I got my kid one from the but kitchen. But you have yours. <laughs> one from the kitchen. Um, so when people, when you talk about the 50, there's another, so it's another 50K. Are people coming, do you think, because it's another race, that it's a low-key uh, race? No, the, the Lake Sonoma 50 is a 50-miler. 
Is that what you're talking about, or or the Mendocino 50k? Yeah. So oh, why oh. are they coming? Yeah, that's the 50 mile. It's yeah. a big. It's a big race. Stage yeah. candidate. Oh yeah, no, it's it's top line. It's it's top shelf. But our, I had Zach Bitter last year, which was amazing. Oh yeah, and he won it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah, pretty yeah. pretty world awesome. record holder. Yeah, pretty good runner. Yeah, <laughs> incredible. <laughs> um, but what about the plant based aspect of it? I know that's a focus of it, and that's a focus obviously of ours. But mm-hmm. do you think runners are coming because? Of that, or you think it's a, uh, a I bonus? Think, I think more this year, but if yeah. you notice, you know, have you been on the race website? Yeah. Yes. Have you seen the word vegan anywhere? No. no. Right. And so the the what I my mission in in terms of my mm-hmm. own practice as a health coach and and my podcast and all the things that I do is is that and it's not to, it's not it's, this is not a faking thing. It's just what I do, and I don't want to make a big deal out of it. Um, it's it. I sort of like it's sort of like the Stanford Inn. Like this is an eco resort. It's awesome. People come here. Most people aren't vegan or vegetarian who come here. Overwhelmingly, they come here. It's a great place to stay. And they have breakfast and they go do their things. They come back and they have dinner. And it doesn't. And it it's sort of like can this be just normal? Yes. yes. And so I just want to put on a kick ass race. I, I just want to put a kick ass race. I don't really want to say vegan ultra because. I, then people don't come or they do come. I want them to come for an amazing race that also is in, totally environmentally sustainable. All the cups and plates and silver I use is, are all compostable. The trash bags are compostable. Everything's recycled. The, plant, the food is plant-based. But that's one of the things in the list of what makes this race probably, I would say, probably one of the most sustainable races in the world because on that level. I know it's only one of two all-vegan ultras in the U.S. I cannot find another one in the world. I'm sure they're out there. But it's we're talking about a very small handful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to me, it's like this is my ethic and my these are my values, and I'm the race director. So my race is going to reflect what I do. It's that simple. I don't want to make a big deal out of it. So I, don't, I think more people are finding out that it's a vegan ultra. But I'm not out there with it marketing-wise. Yeah. I just yeah. want to be a kick-ass race. People right. will come. This is a kick-ass place to stay. People come here to stay. It's a very kick-ass place yeah. to stay. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. My God. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. it's been amazing. Yeah. The food has been amazing. The, the food's amazing, amazing. But I love this this concept. We just had an interview with Linda before right. this. And, and what we were discovering, what she was discovering about herself as we were doing the interview was – like it kept coming up that she does all of this stuff like kind of under the radar. Like right. she doesn't necessarily tell her clients that, you know, or announce like, okay, your vegan catering is here. Yeah, 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 like yeah, here's yeah. your vegan meal. Yeah. It's just, she wants to prepare healthy food that yeah. works well for her. And it happens to be vegan. Yeah. When you look yeah. at the menu at Ravens, it says, you know, Parmesan cheese on it. Yeah. And so it's, it's not, we, every- have, we have a skillful use of quotes. Yeah, on the menu, like we'll just play cheese and air quotes. You know, yeah, <laughs> that's how we get around it. You're taking the big deal. Out yeah, yeah, of yeah, it. yeah. It's like, is it because it because I'm just like a dad. My wife and I work full time. We have three kids. Like, it's I'm I'm not I don't live in an ashram. You know, like all <laughs> these ideas that people have about vegan. Yeah. And 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 I'm vegan, but I don't really talk about it. I just want to be an ethical person, and th- that's how I do that. And and so I think, and I think, I maybe it's necessary to have both sort of. I think it's necessary to have people who are more outspoken about it. That's just not my bag. And, and so there's no judgment about it. I, you know, Gene Bauer is very open about it. And he's done – he's a good buddy of mine and does incredible work. Um, but, but again, like to me, I just want to do a kick-ass ultra marathon, you know. And I think that that pulls that off. To me, to do that means that it's going to be plant-based mm-hmm. because I ain't going to serve freaking chicken broth at an aid station. So I'm going to do it, you know. Or like I finished the American River 50 – Miler, I come across the finish line and they go, okay, there's pulled pork sandwiches over there. And I'm like, even if I weren't vegan, the last thing I want is pulled pork sandwich. You know, like how gross. I want like really high quality, awesome food right. that tastes great and is nourishing and fun. And it's not like we're, I mean, we're having beer. 
you know, it's not like it's got to be this thing, but it's like a party, and that's just how I want that to happen. I want that to be manifest, manifested that way. Yeah, I mean, you go to these Ironman events. I mean, I, I'm going to speak to it because I've been to many of them. You cross the finish line. You know, for me, it's like a 14-hour day across right. the finish line, and there's Domino's pizza and oh, stale yeah. bagels. And yeah. it's like, ah, it's yeah, yeah. poison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's poison. So, and I just want high-quality like I just want, even if they're gonna, even if it's not vegan. Like I just want people to come and they're spending money and like let's have a classy event. Like and don't be so obvious about Domino's cheap pizza. crap. You know, like don't do cheap, don't do cheap crap no matter what. No. You know, like period. Yeah. But all, exactly. but but also like I'm a health coach. I'm a nutritionist. Like I want right. food, like actual food. Like I think of that stuff as t- I've been calling it in, in my practice and in my pocket. I call it technology now. I just call that stuff technology. Like processed food, whether it's animal processed, like the animals we grow are not natural, the plants we mess with to become make them refined. To me, it's I just call that technology. So I want to serve food, you know. I want to serve food, and and to me, the food that Jeff and Joan provide to this race is food. It's food, and it's fun, and it's people have a great time. They love it. Nobody complains about it. And I would say probably maybe five percent of people who ran yesterday are vegan, if that. I don't even know if anybody was last year, honestly. You know, and and that's great because they have a great time. They're like, oh, I can have a great time. Yeah, right. and right. I can eat it. Somehow I'm going to be okay. And you're, yeah. you're approachable. It's an approachable event. Like you're yeah, not, it's like, just set up for expectations. No, and I'm not. I'm not. You know, hammering people over the head and making them feel any sort of way. I want them mm-hmm. to come and have a good time. That's it. Period. Yep. You know. Um, so you were mentioning that in the days prior to this, like this, the stress, and I yeah. think this is a good segue into <laughs> kind of talking about this full spectrum wellness lifestyle. So you're not immune to stress. No, God, no, no, no. no mo- in my opinion, no modern human yeah. uh, is immune to stress. I just think we're in an unnatural environment that we've created ourselves. But I think it's so out- off the charts that to us, for us to find real balance in terms of physical and mental is, is near impossible. I just think we can do better, but I don't think it's a possibility. Oh, there's so many ways to go with this. Um, yeah. But I'm going to take it back to how how do you how do you navigate that stress? When you're going over and over in your head, are you catching yourself? Like, holy shit, Sid, like you're just like overanalyzing this. Like, how do you navigate the stress in the days leading up to this race? Yeah, I, I mean, I have a couple ways of, that I think about that. One is that, you know, these are to me sh- short term spikes of stress. This is not me all the time. Because if, if it were, then I wouldn't be able to maintain the high level of health that I maintain. So part of it is like, I just don't sweat it too much. Because I go, this is this time. You know, this is my little week here. Mm. Um, and so I'm not going to put pressure on myself to not feel stress. I'm just, I guess, as I've been doing this long enough, I just feel like I'm getting less interested in trying not to feel stuff and mm. just being like, this is what this is. And I just feel like I think that is so much more effective. As I coach people, I'm like, don't try to not be afraid. Don't try to not be stressed. I told a few people the night before the race, don't try to get sleep. You're probably not going to sleep. You're going to be fine. I've done five ultras now. I sleep on average two or three hours a night before before the race. Somehow you get through it. It's the stress of, I should be sleeping. I got to be sleeping. I can't be asleep. I'm so stressed I can't sleep. In which case, I said, just lay down, rest your muscles. If you fall asleep, great. If you don't, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And I, so I think for me, it's a short-term little, it's a little spike. And at the same time, it's just what it is. So I just, to me, I just did an, it's so funny because I just did an episode on this. I divert the stress I guess I divert my attention away from the stress and say, I'm not going to try to not feel anything. 
but I'm going to put my energy into something else. So if it is into, okay, do I need to spend a little more time thinking about the race? Is there, uh, do I need, I'll feel better if I go through the motions. Or I put my energy into meditating or into something that does that. But, I, but I've gotten a really away from I want to not feel this because I just think we, I can't, we, uh, we're not wired that way. Well, and it, <clears throat> I think it creates more of it because then you're stressed about how you're trying to push it away yeah. and that's resisting. That's right. That's resisting what is happening in right. the moment. And what does that create? More resistance. It's not going away. It's still there. It's, you're just not paying attention. Yeah, like I've it. never told, I've been, you know, I've been coaching people for about nine, uh, seven, eight years. Um, as a health coach, and, and I've never told somebody to stop eating something, not once. Because if you tell somebody stop eating this, that's all they think about. What they, can't, what they aren't doing or what they can't do. Instead I say, yeah, it's, eat that, whatever, but let's focus on eating these things. And it just, it's, empower, it's more empowering, it's more action. Not, it's not reaction, it's more action. So as I'm moving my own brain into acting instead of reacting. So when you take on your own stress or own fear, you're reacting to that instead of acting. And I, this has been going on with me for a very long time. I used to be a full-time musician. And I, and I, I have stage fright. If I gave in to that stage fright or, or focused on not having stage fright, I probably would have never gone on stage. Instead, I finally very quickly got into this thing of like, I'm just going to feel stage fright. And I feel terrified as I walked up on that stage and picked up my guitar. Every time. It never went away. Not one time. It never went away. It's just, okay, that's what's there. What am I going to do in my life right now? Am I going to, is that thing going to have any power over me? No, it's there. Fine. Let me get on stage and play my show. Now it's let me go race, direct this, this race or let me do my podcast or let me do my video or whatever that is today. And you know that you're going to come down the other side of that wave, that it's temporary because you don't live in a chronic state of stress, which I so can't many do race directing do. every week. Yeah, no. I mean, the, I have maintenance level actions in my life that keep me lo- relatively low stress for most of the time. So, therefore, when I have little spikes, it's fine. I, I don't, it doesn't debilitate me. If it did, I wouldn't race direct anymore. I mean, if this race tanked me where I couldn't function and I was stressed and getting sick and couldn't run and, you know, had a gut or what all these things, I would I just wouldn't do it. I'd start giving up stuff pretty quick to, to maintain. My well, level. And I think the race would tank. Yeah, and the race would tank too, and it, it wouldn't totally, be fun. Because who wants to be around that? I don't yeah, want to yeah, be around yeah. that. Yeah, I'm not a full time race director. Right. Right. So so it's like it's not my job, you know. So this is on top of everything else I do, you know. So if it's not fun for me and fulfilling for me, then I have no problem shutting right. it down. Yeah. Absolutely. But I, you have to feel confirmed, like, oh my god, this was totally supposed to happen. I'm supposed totally supposed to be doing it because. Second year, you have a waiting list. Yeah, it's yeah, and I get and again, like it, there's a certain brilliance of 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 being ignorant, like because because <laughs> I go, oh, it's sold out, and I, I don't know the better because I, I have no, I don't know any other race directors, like except for Lisa and John now, but I never talk numbers at all, so I'm like, oh, I guess races sell out. Like I have no, I'm such a like a <laughs> dork about it because I, I have no knowledge, and so they're like, that's amazing for a first year. I was like, I don't know, is it? Like, I don't, you know, I don't, I had no expectation. But we, I, the first year I launched on, the last year I launched uh, uh, open registration on November 1st. By mid-December, I had eight signups, eight. And I went, all right, I guess I'll run it with eight. You know, like, right, <laughs> like yeah. I just, you know, I just, I had no idea what, to, I didn't know anything. I had, my cap was 100. I figured if I get 20 people, cool, we'll run it as a test. But, you know, by mid-January, it sold out. It just kind of, you know, I got hooked up with Ultra Runner Podcast. I sponsored one of his episodes. I put an ad in Ultra Running Magazine, and all of a sudden, it was like, vroom, and and that, there it was. And then this year, you know, in the first seven days. I, you were waiting. You, you, oh, my you gosh. I was, 
Totally waiting. And the whole reason why I'm here is because we interviewed Gene last August okay. over at Watkins Glen at the right. beginning, very beginning of the six months on the road that we did. Got it. And at the end, we're like, so what's next? You know, yeah. you did Iron Man, what's next? And yeah. he's like, I think I'm going to do this. My friend Sid's got this ultra out in Mendocino. And I think I'm going to do that. It's a 50K. And I was like, hmm. I, I literally had this vision of me crossing the finish cool. line. And I was like, I'm in. Done. Awesome. So I started looking at it, and you were waiting for the permits, and I was like, yeah. come on, come on, I almost come didn't, on. It almost wasn't a go. After oh. the first year, it was so successful and awesome, and then all of a sudden, I got a bunch of blowback from like really? State Park. Yeah, not not all, everyone, one person specifically at State <laughs> Park. And so it was about a two-month battle. And I, and I and at that time, I said, this race may not ever happen again, but I'm not going to go down without a fight. So I sort of took it to the mat, you know, because I was like, if I got to go down, I'm not just going to get, you know, like I want to see. And so I won. Um, I won because that person retired, essentially, Uh, you know, and and that's how that goes. And so this, you know, this county's got its funkiness, too, you know, of like resistance and kind of like, you know, you know, and so, yeah. yeah, And so I kind of just was like, this is, you know, I'm going to fight for this. And so, yeah. And I I donate a portion of the proceeds to Farm Sanctuary. Right. And so, yeah. So so Gene, I invited Gene to come last year, but he couldn't make it. And then. Um, I saw him in New York because we were both speaking at the Veg Fest out there, and I cornered him with a, you know, I do my vlog, and I was like, um, so you're going to do my race? You think? And he goes, yeah, I might do it. I go verbal contract. You're in, you know, whatever. <laughs> and so, and and then that was I never heard again. And then all of a sudden, I got an email from him out of the blue a few months ago, and he said, I'm coming out. And I said, all right, you're in. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah so I was like waiting for the registration to open, and and uh, and we didn't have a home. We were homeless, and right. we were in Arizona. And um, at the time, and it it became open, and I registered like that in that so moment. You got in. I was like number twenty two. Whoa, nice. Yeah, I was I was very I was an eager beaver, but I think you nailed something when you were describing the registration. Like you were saying, mid December, you had eight people registered. The first year. Yeah, and you mm-hmm. were like, oh, maybe I'll just do it with eight. Yeah. Like you didn't freak in that oh, yeah. moment. Like oh, I have to have more than this. I have yeah. to have this, and it has yeah, to be this way. You yeah, didn't yeah. put demand. Yeah. yeah on the race yeah yeah you just said whatever it is i'll run it with eight whatever and i think that's the attitude that allows things to come in that you're not building this brick wall of resistance and expectation and demands on how something's supposed to be when it hasn't even come to fruition yet it's still building its life Yeah, yeah, yeah and we can throw down these roadblocks you know, in the middle of something that could be amazing if we just got out of the box yeah. and lifted the limits. And I think that the Mendocino Coast, the 50K, is the perfect example because of the way you kind of stepped out of the way and you were like, yeah. well, if that's how it's going to be, all right, yeah. I'm good. We're in. Yeah. I think that my, like I said, my ignorance in this case was kind of bliss because not only did I not have sort of expectations because I knew about how other ultras are supposed to be, but I also, because I didn't know how other ultras are supposed to be, I created this race really in a vacuum for the, I, I had done a few ultras that were like big you know American uh, I did a way too cool 50k these are those are big, big yeah. 900,000 person and I knew I didn't want any part of that but I didn't really know what I this should be um, in terms of down to the nitty-gritty like tents and I didn't have any so I kind of created it in a vacuum like if I just I kind of walked over to the site and I was like what would I kind of with not knowing how anybody else did it and and that was kind of fun because it could be like, I'm just going to put, I mean, the f- first year I walked on site at 4.45 in the morning. I didn't know where tables were going to go. We made, I made all that stuff on the, uh, right on the, right on the, right on the call. Just right there. Thank volunteers walked up. Where do you want this table? I go, I put it over there. I, I mean, we literally made it up because I didn't know, you know, I didn't, right. I didn't study other races and, um, and we just kind of made it up and it's got this kind of funky little, 
It's weird. And I like that. It's weird. This is a weird county. I mean, this is a weird county. I mean, from LA, like this place is, you can just roll a camera and half the places here and you have a reality TV show just begging. <laughs> and, uh, and so it's just, it's kind of crazy place. And I love that. It's like a really weird, you know, kind of an odd race. I figured last year, if I got eight, I, I last year I kept telling people if I get 30, I'll be like super happy. And frankly, if I'd gotten 30, I probably just run, would have run it with them. You know, like, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, at worst case scenario, I would have just run the race with him and we would come back and I would have taken everybody out for dinner. Like, that's how that would have happened, you know? Like, it would just have been one tent and it would have been like a pup tent, you know, whatever. Right. And so it just turned out to be kind of a cool thing. So how did you get up here from L.A.? Uh, tw- 20 years of Los Angeles. I'll do that to you, you know? Um, and that's really the truth. But my, um, I was born there and then, you know, traveled around a little bit my dad was with the air in an air uh, he was a pilot and then he was management at, at continental airlines but so we moved a few times but la san diego houston then i went back to i went to ucla so started ucla in 87 i graduated in 91 my wife who i met in college graduated in 92 and we stayed in los angeles from then on and we when we just i was a full-time musician i started getting work as an actor so i stayed and we stayed there until 2006, but we had, at that time, it had it. I had stopped playing live in L.A. I was so burnt on the, we would tour my band, but I, I hated playing in Los Angeles, hated it. Acting was starting to decline. I was doing well for about 10 years, and then it started to decline with the with reality TV coming up mm. so much, and I, I just wasn't getting as many auditions. And we just started, and we had a child, and we just started looking around, and I just, I said, I got, I think we just decided we just need to get the hell out of here. Was there was a breaking us. point experience? Uh, well, moving, uh, traveling in Scotland in 2002 when we fell in love with Scotland and just, and I, I, that's when we both realized like we wanted to be out of a city. Um, and, and we wanted, you know, we wanted space and, uh, we tried to actually move to Scotland. Like we really, tried, we just couldn't figure out how to do it financially. Like that was the one barrier was like, what do we do when we get here? You know, of course we said that when we moved up here too, but uh, that was later. <laughs> but, but at that time we, tr- we tried to figure it out. We just couldn't figure out how to make that happen with work permits or whatever yeah. else. And so that was in 2002. That was actually before we had our first child. So we were already thinking at that time uh, and me even probably a little bit more. I was like, I got this place killing me. And, um, and so finally in 2005, I was on tour uh, in Europe playing music and um, my wife she, I said we can't move to Scotland I wish there was somewhere you know like it and she goes what about Northern California and I was like ah San Francisco that's what LA thinks totally Northern California is but even though it's so much more north of San yeah. Francisco we think that's it well we're California. in San Diego we think LA is yeah, Northern exactly, California exactly yeah totally <laughs> California just stops it in San Francisco uh, but anyway and so so she's like but no like the coast and I was like ah. and so she starts sending me pictures of like houses at here at Fort Bragg and Wallala and these little towns and I was like oh my god this is it it's got the Scotland kind of cliffs and the ocean yes. and it, yeah and it totally reminds yeah. those days we get up we walk outside it's misty and we've been here 10 years and we every time we go oh it's like Scotland like it's like a it's like a dream for us like you said man it's like a fairy tale running through yes. the forest that's what we wanted we knew that and so um we started the ball rolling. I did. So so she's sending me these things. I go, that's amazing. We find this one house that we go, oh, my, oh my God, has everything. And I get obsessed with it. And she's thinking we'll move like a few years later. Well, I'm like, my screensavers, this house. I've got it printed out on my thing. She's like, I'm driving her absolutely crazy. And finally, she just goes, go look at it. So I get on an airplane. Never having been here, I show up on a Monday drive up, look at a few houses, drive, uh, fly back on Tuesday, show her video because I'd taken video of the houses. Thursday, she and I both fly up. Friday, we offer a house. Saturday, that person accepts it. And the following week, we put a house for sale in, in LA, and two months later, we moved up here. At five, I've been here five days. 
in this area ever. And we moved up, and it was I sold our house in Los Angeles, and we moved up, and that was it. We've been here ever since. So it was um, it was just time again like just I couldn't do it anymore it was, it was killing me a lot less auditions in terms of, of I was doing some more TV and movies at that point time and all of a sudden reality TV hits and there was a writer's strike and so then I'm like back to doing mostly commercials and good living but it, I just didn't want to do it anymore and um, there was a, I if you have time for one story, one story, story, story. we have time for one story. Okay, good. So and then that's it you- I see the stop you're like five more minutes big cane comes out anyway and so <laughs> So this this la- the one of the last auditions I ever did um, was for FedEx. So I show up, my agent calls me, FedEx audition out in Santa Monica. So I drive out to Santa Monica. And I've been acting at this point for 10 years. I've done tons of commercials, Screen Actors Guild, you know, stuff. And, 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 and so I show up at this audition and I sign in as usual. It's a first audition, not a callback, first audition. And so usually it's, it's for a caveman, okay? And so and usually, and for the first audition, you don't dress up. And I never did anyway. Like if they, like usually they have imagination that you don't have to dress up. Like they get it. I, and when you show right. up to set, they dress you up, okay? Yeah. So I show up to this first audition, I'm wearing jeans and a t-shirt. And I sign in, they go, okay, there's wardrobe over there. And I go, I'm here for the first call. Like this is not a callback. They said, oh, I know, but the client wants to see everybody in costume. And I said, for a first call? And they go, yeah. And I go, uh, okay. <laughs> so I walk over to the freaking wardrobe, and there I am, like taking my clothes off, putting on the, like the Bam Bam freaking thing with a. I mean, it's horrible, and and I'm putting this thing on, and I'm and I'm getting dressed, and in my brain, in not me, it was something else said, I'm so fucking out of here. That that's what I heard. Those words. Mm. I'm so fucking out of here, and and I got in the car and I called my wife in the cell and I said, I got this place is literally going to tear me apart. I cannot do it anymore. And that was about. I think that was one of like, if not the last audition I ever did. I was like, I'm not. I've been acting ten years. I'm not going to get dressed up as a freaking caveman for a first call. Like it was crazy. It was just like this thing of like, yes, that's exactly what needed to put me over the edge. But that, yeah, that was the moment. Like it, there yeah. were probably signs along the way. Yeah, there were signs along. The that that was like, when I was like, I didn't want to act anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and you know, and there's thousands of actors down there who would die to do commercials down there and I just and that's fine that's their passion it just wasn't mine and I just was like no I don't want to I just don't want to do it anymore can't do it it's like this you get clubbed over the head with this realization that there's there's more to life Mm -hmm. than this yeah and the there's a part of me inside that wants to live that life yeah yeah yeah. and I want to see and it was a real struggle I mean it's been a real struggle it was a total crap you know roll the dice to move up here I mean we moved up here and we were sitting in our kitchen still in boxes and we, my wife and I, we just looked at each other and what have we just done? Like it was a very moment of like, oh my God, what did we just do? Like we'd been in LA for 10 years, we have a good group of friends down there and we just bailed. And we started kind of from scratch. Like we were doing letterpress printing, she's a graphic designer. I started bartending here. That's why I got, came to Ravens, not because I was a nutritionist. I hadn't gone back to school to become a nutritionist, nothing, not even on my radar. And started bartending and serving here. And then they made me the manager of the restaurant within the first six, seven weeks. And then I'd been reading about nutrition and doing all that stuff. And then it was like two years later, I was like, I think I'm gonna go back to school. And Jeff's like, yeah, good idea. And, uh, so and he's always been like- Yeah, he's always been like, here, can I teach her? Sure. Just sets me up, you know, and, and so, and so, um, there I am back to school and, 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 and nutrition. I mean, unbelievable. This is before my book, before my pot. I mean, all not, that stuff was not even close to being a, nothing, not even a spark of into anything at that point. So there was so much unknown at that point. Like you were in that moment at the FedEx call, you were like, 
I'm out of here. But you didn't know what any of it looked like. And to sit here right now and look back, isn't it all just like a perfect series of events? Yeah. Like you get a bartending job here and then all of a sudden you're the manager. And then all of a sudden you're like, I'm going to go. And it's, it's this ability that you possess that we also possess to let life unfold. Right. And to listen from deep within that voice when you're like, it wasn't like it, it was another voice. Yeah, yeah. It was like the other yeah. voice. That had, po- had potty mouth, yeah, by the way. Yeah, frankly, it had potty mouth. That witness, yeah. that, that witness, like when I was sitting across from Gene, that witness yeah. of like, oh, I yeah, saw by myself the way, the race just here's now. Yeah, the yeah. vision of you yeah. Yeah, doing yeah, yeah. this ultra, which scares that crap out of you. Yeah, just yeah, so yes. you know, that's what's coming. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So you, yeah, better, yeah. you better step up yeah. and do it yeah. or you're going to have a missed opportunity in your life. And, and this seems like like complete night and day from mm-hmm. the life, life that you were living in LA. Yeah. Oh no, it's, it is night and day. I mean, it really is. It's heaven up here. It's great up here. It's not easy to live up here. I'll be frank. You know, yeah. it's, it's fun to visit. You know, not, not everywhere that's fun to visit is great to live, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it's pretty rural. I, it's great. Yeah, totally rural. And I, that doesn't freak me out at all. Like, I love the rural part. I love there's no uh, – the things that still turn me on about this, there's no parking meters. Like, the stupid little stuff I love. Yeah. That, there's no issues. Like, I still was so traumatized by L.A. that I, like, every time I walk here. into the post office and there's one person in line – and I and then they're gone, and then Rob, Robin goes, "Hey Sid," and I go, "Hey Robin, how's the kids? Good, everything good?" And I'm out of there in 30 seconds. That's what I love, you know, like the little that's <laughs> like that's my favorite part of living up here. That's just the DMV has no line in it, you know, whatever. And so that stuff I really like, and and you know, I think this is part of what I work with most in the what I do now as a job, which is helping people deal with fear. I think is the is probably what I, if I had to sum it up, like the thing that stops hinders people is fear and then more specifically fear of the unknown like mm. not you know if you can be okay with that and i think that it probably has to do i'm you know i'm all about like the natural sort of being of us and i think there's a very real protective instinct in us to we don't want we don't look for added stress we don't look to put ourselves in perceived danger we try to avoid that and so i think there's a very real deep down in our brains and that animal part of us that still exists that doesn't want to put us into danger it's like a very base thing it's just not appropriate for many things i mean if i react if i kept if I listened to that, I would never do have done moved up here. I would never done a race. I would never done a podcast. Never done a book. Never gone back to school. Probably never gone to school in the first place. If every time I had that fear of like, if I do that, it could be I don't know what's going to happen. You know, you right. just you're locked up. You're never going to do anything. And so if you can just sort of be like, I'm okay. I know it. I can assess it pretty quick and be okay with fear. You know, a failure. And that I might fail, it might not work out. And if you can wrap your head around that, not try to make it go away, like we said, but kind of be okay with it, you're going to be more open to new experiences and to listening to when those things come in your head. You're going to hear them actually, instead of being so wrapped up to not move. And so, you know, you heard, you saw yourself cross that finish line. You had to be in a place to watch yourself cross that finish line. Right. You know, that you had to be in a place of op- open to new experiences. You guys were on the road, you're homeless. Obviously, you're kind of okay with being a little bit uncomfortable, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so, and so that's what it is. It's like, you're not really in danger. Like, we're not in no, danger. You're, on the home, no, you're homeless, no. but you're not really homeless. Like, right. you, you're not like you're right. out living on a street. You know what I mean? Right. Like, this really, but your body kind of feels like you are. It, mm-hmm. you, you have that moment of like, and last year, you know, the weeks leading up to that race, I felt like my life was threatened. You know, I, I intellectually knew it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Worst case scenario is everyone gets pissed off at me and it's a crappy race day. Uh, five years later, I won't even think about it. You know, it's right, not the right. end of the world, but in that moment, it felt so much like I was going to 
die if this race didn't. I mean, I felt my wife last year said, you're not well. Because I was so str- – I mean, there was a few things going on. The race wasn't only that. I was also launching a meal plan. There was a lot of stuff on it. But she could see me physically breaking down. That was the most stressed I've been in. I was more stressed then than I was even writing my book that was, that was past the deadline to the publisher. I was stressed then too. This was more than that. So much so that she was worried about me. And I had to just call friends and go, I need your help. Like, you got to bail me out because I, I literally cannot take this on. I, I'm overloaded. I couldn't think straight. Mm-hmm. I was not eat, sleeping. I was, couldn't, you know, I was really bad. And so, you know, that's the body's trying to protect you of like, don't do this anymore to me. It's too much, you know? But it's like, it's gotten out of hand. You know, it's, we're having the same reaction as a tiger leaping out of yeah. the bushes as we are coming uh, back from our, yeah. our lunch breaking seeing that we have 12 voicemails. To- totally. No, no. I mean, so I what has with- happened? Yeah. Well, what what's has ha- happened? That we've created this because I think we can, we, well, I mean, I have a lot of theories about this, but one of it is that we, we have the very curious and incredible brains that can create technologies. Again, food is one of the, one of the technologies, that, how I think of it, that gets us very high and gives us an inordinate amount of uh, perceived pleasure at least. It's like a drug. These are all drugs in my mind. Mm-hmm. Like food, for most people, food is a drug. Just a, every When you go to a restaurant and you choose a, men, a menu item, it's because it, you want to see what's going to get you the highest in the moment. It's what you feel like. It's not nutritional. You go, what do I feel like? That's, you're essentially saying, what's going to get me the most lift here? And because we have these incredible brains, we created an entire world that is kind of developed to be able to achieve that for us. We have that the way we have technology with our phones and our and our the entertainment and the food and the even alcohol and drugs and and just all that stuff is because we can create these amazing high level cocaine like experiences for ourselves. But the problem with that is that it's it's taken us out of our natural state. I mean, we are completely fish out of water in this very world that we created all the time. And so we, we are in this inordinate amount of stress because we're just completely not. I, I just I always say, like, at the point that we can sit on a couch, not move and eat cheese pizza and watch TV and be 100% healthy, <laughs> at that point we will have adapted to the world. <laughs> you know, like, we just haven't adapted to, we're too far ahead. We haven't caught up to the world we created to, for ourselves. Our primitive selves we're out of, we're out of it. We're trying like, to protect our primitive selves are trying to protect us from the very world that we're trying to chase. We're trying to chase the next high, right. and our primitive selves are like, we need to stop that and, and hold back a little bit, pull back a little bit, pull the reins back a little bit, and realize that we can be super happy and healthy and feel really good eating a healthy meal. It does not have to be a Big Mac every single time, um, or ever. You know, and that's a weird thing because we know what that Big Mac does, mm-hmm. you know, and it's that addictive thing in our brains that's just like, I want that high every time I sit down to eat, I've got to get high, you know, and that's a, that puts us in a compromising position. What's the biggest thing that you, I mean, you said fear, is it fear, just fear of change overall? People are fearful of changing, changing their diet, changing their morning routine or adopting a morning routine? Is it, I mean, the fear can just be applied to anything. Is there one common theme that you find? I think it's prote- It's protectionist. We're protect, we're a protectionist species. Like we, I think probably most species are, we, we, we are designed to survive. Our bodies do what it takes and our minds to, to survive. I think when we're in a stressful situation, emotional stress or whatever, we're not trying to be more stressed. We want to dissipate that as fast as possible. We do that 
sometimes via healthy activities. We do that sometimes via not healthy activities. We do that if I'm really stressed at work, I come home and get high. That's an unhealthy way of dissipating stress. But the way I look at it is that that person that does that is is essentially the same person as the person that eats the salad or goes for a run. They're both trying to dissipate mm. stress. Those are both solutions to stress. I, I look at people go, my problem is Ben and Jerry's. And I always say, that's not your problem. That's your solution. That Right now, that's your solution. The question is, can you have a better solution that treats you even better than the Ben and Jerry's? Okay, yeah, well, maybe that's going for a walk or eating a big salad. But they're both solutions. We don't want to be more stressed. Our bodies don't want to be more. Our bodies are not trying to kill us. Our bodies are trying to detoxify all the time. Our mm-hmm. bodies are trying to achieve balance and fight infection all the time, no matter what. It's just, are we helping them do that better or not? But we're, that's how our design is. We're trying to do that. So with my clients, it is, it's a protectionist thing of like, even if something's not working for you, if it's familiar and it's what you've been doing for years, it's hard to break that up. You know, like it's just, that's what I do. I know that it's thing. It's a comfort zone. Yeah, and yeah. I, ta- I talk a lot about identity in my podcast because when people go through a transformation of becoming, I talked about this, you know who Josh Lajani is? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so I had him on the podcast. This guy lost 200 pounds and he's a, you know, Ultra. an incredible yeah. runner now. Incredible runner. And this guy was 410 plus pounds. But what I talked to him about, because what's interesting to me is the identity change. He lost friends through this transformation because they know Josh as he's this guy. And they've known him for this long, for his whole life. He's the 410-pound football plan, gumbo-eaten coon. That coon, whatever they say that. He's got that great accent, you know. <laughs> coon ass, that's what he says. He's a coon ass. And so that, but that's what they know. So then all of a sudden, this guy, still in that little town in Louisiana, starts to eat healthy. And now he's a plant-based runner and thin and healthy. That, that's an identity shift. That's an unknown thing. And he lost friends because now he's not that guy. They don't even know how to process that. But look at him. All the unknown of changing all the things that he grew up with for years in the making. This is why it makes diets so ridiculous because you're, you're changing something you did for 45 years. You want to undo that in 21 days. Give me a break. So he's changing his identity in that. And there's all the unknown wrapped up. You have got to get your brain in the right place to take that on in a very real way because fear will debilitate you because there's so much you don't know coming. You don't know. Let's like I didn't know. He didn't know he was going to be a runner. He just was like, I can't. He wanted to wear a suit for a presentation. That was his that was his trigger. I got to get ready to wear a suit. That's what started him in his quest start eating better just so he could fit in this suit and then he just kind of kept going. Um, but if I can get people not unfearful because the fear ain't going away, but if I can get them okay with fear, then they're going to stick with something long enough to just see what happens. But I don't promise people 10 pounds in two months. I don't give a crap about yeah, that anymore. How can predict that either? Don't, like, don't even care. Yeah, that's yeah. not even the point. Not yeah. the, that's not what we're looking for. Right. But if I can promise somebody adventure, like you said, and excitement and, and fulfillment and engagement in their lives through these changes, and who knows what's going to happen? How cool. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow? How amazing. That's the best. They want to know what's going to happen. I want to know that I'm going to lose the 10 pounds in two months. And, and then, then they set themselves up for failure every time. So you have an awesome book, Approaching the Natural. Thanks. Health Manifesto. I love it. I love the, um, as you can see, I've ticked off all these different pages because it's just, and I love how small it is. Yeah. I'm really tactile. That's, I am too. I just love this little book. But one of my favorite parts in this book is, first of all, you have uh, one chapter on nutrition, which I think is awesome because it's really aligned with what we believe in and stand for is that it's, you can't just 
you know, go on the celery diet and your life is going to change because right. it has, it's, it's deeper. The food yeah. is the surface. It's deeper. Right. It's, it's, it's a full spectrum lifestyle. That's right. Right. You want to, you want to be supporting yourself from all angles. That's right. Exactly um, right. and one of my favorite parts of, of this is when you talk about the balance of the atmosphere and the earth uh-huh. and how the atmosphere and the earth has this natural balance and this energy exchange. Yeah. And because we've, you know, thrown down asphalt and then put shoes on top of that and then socks and then our feet, like we've lost our connection to the earth that yeah. we are connected with the atmosphere mm-hmm. but we've lost our connection to the earth That's right. and the importance of grounding right can you explain a little bit go into that a little bit like the importance of grounding sure people would think like grounding like you you know it's like part of some Center, lunar yeah. rhythm dance yeah you it, know it's yeah. on full moon but it's not yeah no it's a very real like i you know people sort of accept now that vitamin d you know if you ask any person who's not trained in nutrition just anybody where do you get vitamin d they always go sun they, they know that they you go out in the sun, the sun hits your skin, there's a reaction there, and cholesterol is involved, and this vitamin D hormone-like weird thing gets created in the body. Nobody questions that. It's kind of given. But everyone thinks it's so weird that we, you know, having your bare foot on the earth, there's a real interaction with your body on an electrical level that still freaks people. Nah, it's ridiculous. Well, is it any more ridiculous to think that we, you know, we, we are in animals, and we, we are still really still animals, even though we don't look like animals and we don't dress like animals. And we look at other animals from afar. We are animals. And so the premise that I just come at, obviously, it's called approaching the natural, is to say, okay, well, you know, is there something that when just to, just to reconnect, definitely on a psychological level. I mean, I cite things in the book of like putting kids into nature. There was one study that, that I think is so fascinating that in artificial environments like a playground that's asphalt, or, you know, like, sort of like mm-hmm. a... Um, typically, the the more the more physically stronger kids will dominate, but in natural settings, the more intellectual kids will dominate. The creative kids will dominate. Isn't that cool? Mm-hmm. So in the in the yeah. in, in the in the natural setting, the the human side of us, uh, the creative game game creating per kid will emerge as sort of the leader of the pack. Let's do this game. Let's do let's build this castle. But when it's regimented and asphalt and bars, then it's the kid who can do the most pull-ups or, or climb the highest. It's, the it's, gym rat. Right. It's like that that kind of cool thing. So we are still animals. And so when it came to the research I was doing on the book, you know, stepping on the ground, it's not it sounds weird, but it's not that big of a deal. It's like we're electrical in nature. Everything in our body, neurons, the heart, everything, electrolytes, all those minerals, it's because it's there's firing, there's electricity pulsing through our bodies. When we walk across a carpet and we touch a thing, there's a, you know, we have a static electricity built up in our, in our bodies. When we step on the ground, it just, it just, it goes, it grounds. It goes to ground, just like wiring in a house. The grounding wire is connected to a, a rod that is stuck into the earth. And so if there's an, a surplus of energy, it goes to ground. That's what that's called. Um, and so grounding our bodies is simply like stepping on the ground. I talk about a little bit of the science of that, but it's not, it's just sort of like a human thing, like the way that we interact with the sun. We, we, we want to separate ourselves from what's natural, but we do, it's, it's interactive. It's back and forth. There's a trading of, of material between our bodies and the earth. We're not separated. We really are. We, we want us, ourselves to be separated because we're sitting in a room right now and we look at a zoo through a cage. But the fact of the matter is we are animals and that there's a very real physical connection to the earth that exists. I've been doing research lately on like time-restricted eating. 
And that's a perfect example. Like the circadian rhythms of our bodies where we're designed to be awake when it's light and to sleep when it's dark. So when we eat a meal at 10.30, our bodies aren't there. We're not supposed to be eating at 10.30 at night. We're supposed to be sleeping, but we have artificial light. And so we can pull that off Mm -hmm. and go to a diner at 2 a.m. And it's fun. And, and I'm, you know, so you do that sometimes, but day to day, it's not the best thing ever to eat at midnight and go right to sleep because your body's not in digestive mode. It's not there to eat. So the time restricted eating is, is fascinating to me because you eat when it's light, circadian rhythm, and then you don't when it's not. Pretty simple stuff, but it's so not what's normal in the world that everyone's right. freaked out by it. Wearing shoes is normal. I'm wearing shoes right now with rubber soles. It's normal, but it's not normal for us as a species. It's just not. It's not normal for us as an animal. So there's a big divide sometimes between what's normal for us in the modern world, like ordering from a menu, and what's normal for us as an animal, which is bend down, pick up a plant, and eat it, put it in your mouth that has dirt on it. You know, there's like a very big divide. And I'm, I'm not the guy who's going in the forest to live there, but I'm just saying let's narrow the divide just a little bit. Include some things that are a little more natural. Get your feet on the ground. Get outside in fresh air. Go for a run on a trail. You know, do those things that are a little more animal to balance out how, what I would say, nutty nut nut, how nutty nut nut the world, the, the modern world is, and just sort of create that balance. So that's where the grounding thing came in. And, and anywhere, you have a great story in the book about your dad mm-hmm. who flew in really late, yeah. and the next morning he got up at the hotel and he knew, like, he had to ground yeah, because yeah. he was jet Time change. Yeah, kind of get you out- in touch with that location. Yeah, yeah, and he went outside the hotel, and there's a bunch of people out there, Smoking. like, having their moaning smoke. <laughs> yeah. And then here's your dad, yeah. like, seven. 70-year-old man, yeah. Yeah, walking on barefoot. Standing like in a a grassy spot, like just standing there because he knew how important it was and how that was going to benefit him in recharging him from the jet lag and the energy exchange on the plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's these little things, you know, it's change to some people is so overwhelming that they'll just abandon it all the way. But it is just little steps have massive impacts. That's right. Um, and we want to overthink everything. Hold on, Clark. Hold on, honey. He's going to unplug. <laughs> this is the, this is the uh, downside of having the dog that's all right. podcast. That's he's got to go. It's a dog cast. He's got to go. <laughs> he's got to go under the wire. There we go. <laughs> there he is. Buddy, that's the first time he tried to sabotage the show. He didn't like the grounding thing. No. <laughs> He's like, I want to wear shoes. He goes, I have bare feet. I want to wear shoes. Why don't you guys wear bare feet? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He's like, I'm rethinking this whole paw thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But I think we want to overthink everything. And and one more thing I want to touch upon, and then we'll probably get wrapping it up, Mm -hmm. although I feel like I could talk to you for days. I know. We're just going to have to come back up next year. Totally, you should. Hell yeah. When is registration open? (laughs) I can't say. This idea of overthinking is this... We want to take food and we want to, we overthink our food, mm-hmm. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. So much so that we reduce it. We say, well, this is a carb. Yeah. This is a fat. This has, you know, protein in it. So I'm going to eat that. When in fact, um, and actually to quote your book is that nothing or, or, Vaguely quoting your book, it's like nothing was made in isolation, yeah. nor was it meant to be eaten in That's isolation. Right. Yeah. So this idea of reduction, reductionist science mm-hmm. of our food, how is that screwing our diets, like screwing up our our 
intake of food and our relationship to food? Well, I think, you know, uh, we, again, we have these incredible brains and we're very curious. And so we can say, if a molecule has, you know, nitrogen here and, and, and hydrogen there and, and uh, you know, carbon, then that's calcium. And we put that name to that and we say, well, that's calcium. And that's amazing because we're curious and we, just, we identify that's great. And we actually have the technology to then take that calcium out of something and, and isolate it and put it in the pill. Incredible technology, amazing. And then we take that pill. But that doesn't make it healthy. And so we have that we have this weird thing where we're so brilliant as a species and we, we find out so much, but we don't ever ask our, our ask our question is, once we have that knowledge, do I need that knowledge to live really well? That that's where my that's just the point where I kind of sit in and go, okay, well, wait a second. Because what I say is I know a ton about nutrition because it's what I do for a living, but what I need to know about nutrition to be super healthy is about a thousandth of what I know. I know about as I what I need to know is about what every wild animal knows, which is just eat really simply and you're going to be super healthy. The number one, number two, we get reductionist about the fact that we just think about food all the time, you know, and that's a reductionist way of like instead, like you said, like it's a big picture. It's mm-hmm. it's food's one of the things. It's just one of the. I always want to just be like, I can teach you about enough about food in thirty minutes. Now let's talk about your life because that's really what you're talking about when you talk about wanting to eat the best way you so can, true. right? Yes. So, Let's get past all the vitamin B6 crap because it's a waste of your time. I see. I speak at all these veg fasteners. People taking notes and they don't need to know any of that stuff. Nothing. You don't need to know any of that stuff. It's protein, fat, carbohydrates, and phytochemicals and antioxidants. It's amazing and, and, and it's good that we have that knowledge. But for people day to day to live extremely healthy, you don't need to know any of that stuff. I would rather just educate you enough so that you can live your life and food can be a tool to enable you to live your life and enable you that sometimes you're going to have food that's a little less healthy but more fun. And that's cool too because most of the time you're nourishing in a way mm-hmm. that you're healthy enough and you can have a beer now and then. You're not going to kill yourself because you're so guilty about having one beer or whatever that is for you. to get because it's. So what happens is people know this stuff and they know more and they know more and two things are happening. One, they're not really acting as much because they're just still not I gotta get more knowledge so they're taking more notes and reading more books right. but they're not setting things in motion or if they are setting things in motion they're becoming super militant because now they know all these things and now if they have something that's a little less healthy one time then it's militancy and rigidity and they feel bad about it and they can't have one drop of oil because it's going to kill them and oil's junk food but one drop in one meal ain't going to kill you. It's going to be okay. And food's one of the things. So they'll sort of be like in this mindset of like, if I have one drop of oil, that's horrible because it's not natural. It's not a whole food. But yet they'll get into a car. That's not natural. They'll kick the heater on when they're a little bit cold. That's not natural either. Right? Right. And they're going to eat at 1030. That's not natural either. So so they're doing all this research, but they're not making the connection. They're not making the connection. Yeah. It's like you know all that stuff, and it's amazing, but you got to balance that. If you want to live a good life, balance that stuff out because if you put all your attention into one area, you're going to go too deep, in my opinion. You're going to go too much there at the expense of all the other parts of living. And so for me, it's like I eat well most of the time so that – I can be with my kids, have enough energy, so I can do things like put on an ultra marathon, so that I can do things like my podcast and all the things that I love to do, be with family and all these kinds of things. And also, I eat well most of the time, so that if I don't eat well sometimes, it doesn't debilitate me. You know, that that's just my thing, and I, I want people to. I but that's for me. I don't. I want people to find their own balance. I want to find 
people to find out what works for them to achieve the lives that they want to live. I don't know what that is for anybody, but I just know that I just, what scares me a little bit is as I'm doing more of these events is seeing people that are, you know, have so-called perfect diets that really aren't that healthy. I can no, see, no. I can see the stress is breaking them down. But, but in that realm of these in are that the, one these little are the thing, steps, yes, that, they're doing that I'm, every I'm day. They don't yes. miss that, right. but it's breaking them down there right. because the mental stress is just as important as the physical stress. Mm-hmm. That's why only one chapter of my book is on nutrition because everything else is not food related. And it doesn't have to be overcomplicated. Like, no. I like how you talk about just keep, it's just simple, like the banana. Like, peel the banana. Eat the banana. Eat. <laughs> yeah. It's so hard to eat healthy. Really? Buy a cucumber and eat the cucumber and tell me that it's hard. But, want, but I want it to be, I want it to get me high. Okay. Yeah. But that's separate. That's a right, separate issue. Right, right. Don't say it's hard to eat healthy. It's hard to eat healthy and get high. Let's be clear. Yeah. You know? yeah and, I love and, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so that's the difference. Well, you do talk about another type of nutrition in the book. It's the mental, right. mental nutrition, which right. I think is really behind all of this all of the dysfunction in the way that we eat or like I have to get my B12 and where are you getting your protein and what about non-heme iron and incomplete proteins and all this stuff like you said people don't really need to know and I find my projection I think I I guess is better to say is that um, people don't want to hear the answer of just eat a full spectrum Plant-based you, whole plants foods that are whole, diet, yeah, and, you'll get everything you need. Yeah, you don't you're fine. have to yeah. count the. And then like, but but what about? No, no, don't think about it anymore. And then they could, but then but they'd have nothing to fill it in. And that and and, and that's and that's why I said like I don't want people to not do. I want to be so I go sort of like get the, get a hobby. You know, <laughs> well, but if I but if I'm not thinking about food on this level, like what am I going to do? And I go, well, write a book, write a song, travel, spend some more time with family. You know, pick up a project, do a pro- art project, some art right. project. Like, there's a million things but to I'm do. But I'm not creative. When... Yeah, of course yeah, not. Of course right? you yeah, are. yeah, of course With you are. With a list of excuses. But yeah, at, yeah. At the but, core but if I put of... all my time in food, then I won't have to deal with yeah. You know, it's like, but it's not making you happy. It's not working for you. But again, there's that fear like, if I don't do that, what's to come? I don't know. How cool. What's to right. come if I don't think about food as much? I don't know. How awesome. But how often that now you have space to think about it? Maybe yeah. you build in a half hour a week to think about stuff you might want to do, even if you don't do it yet. But might want to do how cool is that yeah you know you know just the core of who we are like on a deep deep level of you know how we even got here in these outfits called bodies you know we are creative beings yeah like we created all of this oh yeah that's insanity to say that you're not a creative being um and i think underneath all of this it's almost like the food is the the symptom like the food obsession is the symptom of the lack of mental nutrition yeah i totally agree you know and so it's it's the solution to the stress it's just not i just don't think it's the best solution yeah, right. and so there's always like, and I see it so clearly now with people like, they'll be stressed about something, and they're they're blaming the the item or the chronically stressed situation they have created in their life, and it's like ah, it has nothing to do with that surface item. Yeah, it's it's the relationship right. to it. Like you right. experience stress around the race, but you know you're like, this is temporary, so I'm going to ride this wave, yeah, yeah, and I'll yeah, get to the yeah. other side. Yeah, and right. I'm just going to take it with me. Yeah. We're all going to go for a ride in the car. Yeah, it's yeah, all yeah. going to be okay in a yeah. few days. Um, so well, you ran an ultra marathon. Was that stressful that day? No, no. Yesterday, no. you were stressed. You didn't feel it on that hill. No, I just I Give you me know. A, come on. No, you didn't feel. Did, no. You didn't feel tanked at the end of the race. I was the end of the race. I was tapping it's, into it's, it's, something. It, let me tell you, it's stress on your body to run that race. Yeah, but you don't run an ultra marathon every day. 
No. My, my point is, is that you're going into something that you know is stressful, but Physical it's stress. When you've done tri- exactly, but it's stress yeah. and it's mental stress mm-hmm. too. That last ten miles, you do triathlons. The, Tell me, you don't feel the dip emotionally at times where you're like, I don't know if I can do yeah, this anymore. Right. That's what I'm saying. But because, it's this ability to be like, is, yes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ride. Okay, yeah, now a, I know what you're saying. saying like, saying, okay. I'm gonna ride the fact that I want to stop right now so bad, but I'm gonna ride that no. as I continue to run that, as hard as I possibly that's can what, to the finish. That's exactly what I'm saying. So me yes. putting on an ultra marathon is I'm it's an ultra marathon to put on an ultra marathon. In, in my own yes. mind, I yeah. look at it like yeah. that. Like I'm gonna run this race this week, and I'm gonna have lows, and I'm gonna bust through them, and that's how I get the arsenal. What I call the arsenal of experience, the experience of of getting through that. And I think, and that's what leads you to want to do that again and test yeah. yourself and put yourself in these comparatively safe. You weren't going to die. You yeah. might quit at age station four, not the end of the world. You know, you weren't diving off a cliff. You know, right. but but you knew you were going to. You might feel at some point like I can't do this anymore. I mean, when I'm, during my fifty miler, a few times I was like, "This is miserable." I am. I showed up to the race starting line that day. Like this is, I said to myself, this is the last thing I want to be doing today. I had a very bad day that day. And just, I said to myself, if I have one physical discomfort, I am quitting. And I had no physical discomfort. (laughs) I kept saying, knee, would you break, please? So I can stop this stupid race. (laughs) I'm totally like that in the bike. Like I just wish someone would hit me on the side. I'm like, if my ankle could just twist a little, then I would have an excuse. And it, but it was all mental and just, and just the deepest like it's when people say you want to quit you really do yeah. i mean you really like really on every level want to quit and you're and it's horrible and somehow you find what you need to find to get right. through that and then you go that's why you know i'm going to do that again and not not to inflict pain but to know what you can do right mm-hmm. And to put yourself in situations of unknown and work through those. And sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. But you show up at the starting line. Show up, and yes. you And you just, yeah. that's the thing, right? And I think the highest level of this, you know, the heights of mental nutrition is to say, like, okay, I see that. Like, that that person that the view, the 10,000-foot view can see, like, okay, there's the part of me that wants to quit. I'm just going to welcome that in. Uh-huh. I'm gonna welcome that in, yep. and we're gonna we're gonna continue on one step at a time, one breath at a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna buy into that voice. Yeah. I'm gonna let it be here, but I'm I'm not gonna let it be yeah, in yeah. charge. Yeah, and that you know I think anyone who finishes an ultra or an endurance event of any kind at some level is welcoming that in. You know, some of us do it with more suffering than others. Yeah. Some of us walk off and say, screw this, I'm yeah. never doing it again, and right. they light their shoes on fire. Right, and right, they're right. like, you know. But what um, what do you do to keep your mental nutrition top-notch? <laughs> well, it's not, it's not always top-notch. Um, what I do day-to-day are things like, you know, the battles I have are, you know, checking my phone too often you know these are the things that like oh as, a, as just a human yeah so I'm like separating myself from my phone like there's been a few times in the last month where I, I go out of the house and I'm like I left my phone at home and I'm like hot dog like best thing like that's a huge win for me like I left my phone at home I walked out without my phone I love leaving my y- phone at y- home y- yeah well I mean not on purpose yeah. though like oh. I just forget it and I'm like how cool is that that's awesome. right yeah and so little things like that you know it's more being in more of an aware present state with my children you know, like being with them, like even if it's minimal time, like getting in. I mean, all the work I do is to help build pe- build in moments for people to of of what I say of 
where they are truly who they are. So when you were explaining that difference of like you're on a, you're in an ultra or you're and this could be by the way a 5k for somebody. Like it's it's all relative, mm-hmm. right? If a 5k is a stretch for somebody then that's what that is. That's their ultra marathon. Like we totally. put again we put words to things but a 3 mile for somebody is a 50 mile for another person, right? right. So you're there and you're and that thing of where you said I'm just going to ride that way like I'm gonna, I'm hearing it but I'm not going to give into it. To me the person who says I'm going to keep going, that's the real you. And I like putting people into tests that way to so to identify who they really are regardless of whether they've been living that way and so when somebody feels like they don't want to be overweight because they just i hate my body it's like i go the you're not overweight you the actual you is not actually overweight you've been doing things that have led you to be overweight in your mind and that's in conflict with the true you so it's how do you get the real you out more First, you have to identify before you take act one at all in your life. Who who are you really? And I've had clients go, I have them do this little exercise, but in their exercise, they go, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a marathoner and they've never run a day in their lives. But in their ideal life, like you said, you saw yourself crossing that finish line, but you weren't an ultra marathoner at that time. No. But somewhere you are. Mm-hmm. And so now you just did what it took to become that person more. And now you're, now you're, that came, that became manifest actually in the world. But you did that because you knew, first of all, like, oh, I saw that. That's what's happening. And so how do you get more in touch with that thing? Well, that's my daily battle as, as a, I, you know, I tell people, like, I'm doing the thing myself. I'm in my own practice on this. I'm not coming out from a pedestal going, do this and do that. I'm battling through every day. And one of the things I battle through is just being myself more in the moment when I get home from work taking a few deep breaths in my car to reset my clocks and when I walk in the door I don't have work on my mind or stress I walk in as me not as the guy who's whatever and that voice or whatever I you know want to be that more me so that's the mental nutrition that is the doing what it takes to have moments of listening to music and I stopped listening to the news four years ago I just don't listen to the news I mean I don't even yeah. watch the news nothing I don't because I'll find out basic knowledge when I need to. My wife will watch the news or she'll watch a show and Charlie Rose or something, she'll give me kind of a Cliff Notes version. Day to day, I don't. I listen to music. I listen to podcasts that I like. Think That's mental nutrition. How you feed your mind is like how you feed your body. Some, if, you, if most of the time you feed your mind with stuff that is life-enhancing and joyful and creative and once in a while you do something that's a little more fun and not as healthy fine but if all your mental nutrition is like junk food in the food realm and it's just junk nutrition news all the time you're going to tank and and so my own battle is to sort of find my own balance in mental nutrition just like it is with physical nutrition and it's every day it's different totally there's no prescriptive there's yeah. no there's no do this on 10 30 and this at 11 it's just if you can build in moments and you can make a decision that today i'm going to have these potato chips as a choice and not, I'm not going to feel bad about it because I know that last week I was eating really well and I'm taking care of myself. I'm a few potato chips. Ain't no thing. No guilt, no shame. That's very different from having potato chips and then afterwards feeling regret and shame that you did that. I'm a crappy person. I don't have any self-control. That, those are the messages that we and live those with. those aren't the real you. I love that. No, they're that. not the they're, real you. They're not the real you. In the, and, but too, too many of us are buying into that voice. Yeah, they go, they've heard their whole lives, you're fat, you're ugly, you're stupid. And I, and I step in and go, you can hear that all you want, but that ain't you. That was happening before mm-hmm. you ever made a decision about your life at all. And, and you've been living as that voice would have you live, but that ain't you. So let's get you out of the closet and get you start rolling your life a little bit better each day. And, don't, and you're never, maybe never going to be 100% there, but you're damn sure going to be there more tomorrow than you were today by doing just one deep breath before you get out of your car. Five-second 
five second step, you just locked into yourself a little bit more than you did the day before. Yeah. That's how, and like you said, the littlest things have the biggest ramifications. That's not only the, the, the breath, but knowing that you're taking control. You're, you're stepping in going, okay, we're done here. You can keep talking, but you're going to have less power, period, starting today. That's a pretty great thing. And it's not shutting that voice up because nope. you really can't. Nope. It's just saying, all right, that that's there, but what action can I take to move a little bit right. further away? And and when we say further away, we actually mean back to our true nature. It's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I'm yeah. fat, I'm stupid, I'm ugly, as you, and you're listening to that as you're eating a piece of celery. Right. Yeah, and you're and you're like you're not trying to say shut up, shut up. You're like you keep talking. That's great, great talk. You you love talking, great. But let me eat the celery while you're talking, and and that's sort of how you begin yeah. that little process. Yeah, and people will look at you know this type of eating, let's say plant based eating, and they'll be like, oh, well, I can't just you know be like a, a rabbit. But let me tell you something. I ate four stalks of celery last week. I was so full. Yeah, I yeah. felt like I had eaten like. You know, a massive plate of food. You yeah, know yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. This type of and we don't just eat. Vegans don't just you. eat celery all day. No. either. you know what I'm and saying? Rarely do I do. I actually. <laughs> I love the perceptions like lettuce with a brick of tofu on it. Yeah, you know I, I, mean? I probably <laughs> just squelched the whole plant based yeah. movement yeah, by yeah, saying like, that. Is it really back to the race? That was a. Uh... Was that? Big freaking burrito, man. Big freaking I'm talking about. two. I two did you? Big well, did you then? Nice going. Because it's fuel. I had to refuel. Why the bowl out there? Why the bowl, not the burrito? You had a. Cause I it was I just knew I was gonna have a major blowout oh, if were. I just took that burrito and oh, but because they, okay. they were big I had those big but I had gluten free ones too yeah so yeah. I I put the tortilla in the bowl oh yeah oh then, gotcha and then gotcha. I like to crumble <laughs> chips on top I saw some people walking I it was like eight pounds of food on the Seriously. plate I was literally walking a guy walked across I was like oh my god like we needed a whole another meal for that guy honestly it just felt like Jeff too catered much. the meal to that one guy's <laughs> dinner because it was like this huge plate of food I was like Gee, I just kept seeing people with just out of oh. control. Control burritos, Unbol- and yeah, I was like, huge. I don't think break. I have the totally physical yeah, yeah. ability yeah. to manhandle uh, yeah, I don't a burrito yeah, yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 so yeah. I went with the bowl. Good for you. Yeah, nice. I was just curious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were fired up to see that though. At the and end. I will say that I'm not like a drinker, and I slammed down that marathon. Oh, you did the marathon beer, ale. The, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Signature. It was a good one, wasn't it? It was really good. I know. I and know. you're on the cover. I'm on the label. I know, on the beer label. <laughs> so I know. big now up I, here. Yeah, I got my own beer label that sold one place. <laughs> 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 That's how big I am. My beer is for sale at the inn and nowhere else. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm on the label. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the real me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Any uh, final final word on... Um, Something that that somebody could do tomorrow to really make a, a small step that would make a big impact in this just deceleration out of what we think is real and back to who we really are. Um, I would say even not even tomorrow, but today, before you like before you act, before you do anything, before you change your diet, before you start an exercise regimen, before you take on creative you know Jones and art therapy Jones Sanford's an art therapist she wrote an amazing book on she's not an artist and she wrote a book on art on creative play play right all these things come into our our lives or not um, the number one thing you could do literally today after this podcast finishes is just ask yourself the question of what your life ideally would look like if it were happening right now what would it look like if it were ideal just just, just and you don't even have to answer it all just ask, ask that question. I think that we're not asking the questions anymore. We are so, and I, I fall 
pray to this too. So busy getting through our day. And I want people to stop getting through the day and I want them to start living. And there's a, and, and for my own life too. And so part of that is, if it's easy to say, well, just live, you know, live your best life. But what if you don't know what that is? What if you, that's how you find out if ultra marathon, I've never thought about being a runner. That actually sounds fun. You don't know that until you ask. It may not be ultra marathon. It might be painting for somebody else and, and dancing for somebody else and writing a book for somebody else. I don't know what that is, but ask. So the first small step you do is say, what would my ideal look life look like? That's, that's a scary thing because it could look nothing like the life you're living but it's okay just ask for now don't don't change anything literally don't put pressure on yourself to change just because you know that you don't want to be a lawyer anymore Mm -hmm. doesn't mean you have to quit your job but it's good to know and then you can do other stuff to like explore and maybe 10 years down the line you end up moving into a new job i don't know but it's really awesome to ask then when you ask that question you get clear about who you really are and about that life you know, that's the time that you start saying, well, I can't quit my job because I need the money and, and everything, but I can start spending 10 minutes a week exploring other online courses or reading books on how to write a screenplay. You know, there's little things you can do that take you back. It, it, you're taking it back. I'm not, I'm, I'm done losing myself every day. I'm bringing myself, I'm taking myself back into the picture here. And that's what you can do. You don't have to wait. You just do it right now. And that's how you start. That's awesome. That's an awesome that's way, way to end it. Totally. Thank you so much. Oh you God, had my a pleasure. hell of a weekend, and you came over here and sat down with us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Really, Are you kidding really me? Appreciate you it. You guys are awesome. And thank you so much for putting on the most kick-ass <laughs> race in the <laughs> thank country. You. Thank you. I, I did. I, I will say back. I did not. Hundred percent did not do it alone, and I want to be very clear about that. Like you raced direct, and it and it. You know, there was like 35 volunteers. You know, we got Rick, Jeff, and Joan. Like, just the, uh, you know, Skip Brand from Heels Rick Running Company. I mean, it is a team effort in every every way. I could literally, and and not to overuse the word literally, literally not be able to pull this off without the help I had. I I, I could, physically couldn't do it. Mentally, 100% could not do it. So, um, it, it's 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 great to do it, but I have to make sure that I give total props to the people who are involved because without them this thing ain't happening period even skip ran running me the race running the course with me the day before i'm not doing it by myself you know Mm -hmm. like having him out there to talk and help me mark it's like all the little details make it so doable and without that stuff it ain't happening so well the community that's been um you know that has that has grown around it is just amazing we're so psyched to be a part of it i know uh, it's hard for me to imagine that we won't be up here again next year i hope you come back yeah i hope you come back finish this conversation yes right Right? We'll just awesome. have to do it again okay, next year. Stay tuned until right, next guys. year. It was a pleasure. I love what you guys do. So keep. Let me know how I can help in any way. Absolutely. All right. Cool. All right, you guys. That's it. Our combo with Mr. Small Stepper, Sid Garza Hillman. Is he awesome or what? absolutely love his sense of humor he is quick-witted he is dry he is intelligent he is smart he's just so fun to be around and I am so excited that he has started the Mendocino Coast 50k if you are curious about an awesome freaking race you gotta check out the Mendocino Coast 50k we'll have the link in the show notes And you can sign up to get the announcement of when the 2018 date is going to be. Like I said, we're going to be up there for sure. I cannot wait to hit those trails again. 
Thank you so much, you guys, for tuning into the show and sharing it with your friends and supporting us. It's just so amazing what is happening. And let me just tell you what we are seeing. Yes, we are seeing you guys make changes in your life. You're telling us about them. You're reaching out to us. And you're, whether that is, you know, cleaning out your linen closet or having a green smoothie every day, whatever the change is, it is so impactful to hear your stories. But what is even more powerful is what we're seeing beyond this, that you guys are now becoming the teachers for your own communities, for your own family, for your own friends, that you are helping them find that space where they can step into more vibrancy in their life. So thank you so much for riding the high vibe with us. You guys stay awake and ready for every moment of beauty that unfolds in your life.